But yeah, yeah, fighting and doing the military, probably not the best idea. <laughs> I was I was using it as I go to Afghanistan and up being an AFO, I was like not on base, could train. I was out in the mountains, so I get so out of shape, and so I'd I'd come back from deployment and I'd say, mm. give me a fight. That way, I use that fight as a goal setting mechanism to get back in shape. Because I knew if like. I need to force myself back in shape. So if I have something on the calendar, I'm going to force myself to get back in shape. And I, so I do fights between the blocks. That's crazy. You are now tuned into Stay Dangerous. Awesome to have you here, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Good drive. Hot drive? It was hot. <laughs> yeah, it was one, the, the peak was like 105 um, on, the, on the screen. And my phone stopped charging. It's like, we'll resume charging when it's not so hot. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Is this is it hotter this summer or did it just get to midsummer without us even noticing? That's what everyone's telling uh, me. It's no, like this is like record breaking <laughs> heat wave. Okay. Yeah, after three record breaking winters. Yeah, a big contrast. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I love Texas. It's cold weather. Yeah, I love, everybody's I love. like go warming all this weather. There was ice age one time too. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, I I want to get into the main topic, which is gonna be, you know, talking about kids and t- talk about your school. I like kids. Uh, I love kids. Yeah. I got a lot of them. Right yeah. <laughs> I just had two days ago. I just had a brand new granddaughter. Sick. And uh, it's and I so I have three granddaughters now. All live within three miles of me. And now I have a new daughter. Yeah. Uh, summer. Just yeah. four months old. Um, you got to so. get weird and just explain to your sons about how to make boys. I know. It's. I'm trying to tell them the technique. Yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> there's books written on it. <laughs> yeah. I had to get real, real weird to get a boy. Yeah. Now I got three daughters and and a and one and, son. And yeah. that son was. Uh, Definitely not radio appropriate, but like we had we had to get weird to get that boy. Well, I'm gonna get get some reading material for you. Give these yeah, boys because I need some. Sure. I need some uh, some guys boys to carry on a legacy. Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, the gender is 100 percent determined by the male, and uh, war fighters make girls. That's just the way it works. You walk into a team room, you walk into daughters a SEAL team room. All you all you like the you got a a boy. It's like the unicorn in the room, and everybody's yeah. like, Rah! <laughs> well, it's awesome because I think I think it brings a little bit of balance. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's t- trying. It, t- it, it tames us down a little bit. They try. Yeah. yeah. It makes us a little uh, less uh, willing to die. Maybe. Yeah. yeah we're still pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, before we get into that, though, I, I do. I, I don't think I can do a, a conversation with you. I talk about where you came from, who you are, uh, MMA. Um, obviously, MMA is a big part of who you are. Uh, being a Green Beret, big was, part of who you yeah. are. Those, those two things. I think we, we got to talk about it a little bit. So uh, you went into the Army uh, 9-11. That's right. Prompted you to go. You went to the recruiter's office yeah. and decided to join the Army. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a sad story, and this was a pretty um, a reoccurring story in my life where I thought myself to be a, a pretty special thing. And, um, you know, 9-11, when I saw this happening, I was like, oh, we're going to go to war over this. And yeah. when I got down to the recruiter's office, you know, I was like... I'm going to go join, you know, I'm going to go fight. I don't know what this is. And there was like two, 3000 people in front of me. And, uh, I was like one of the last guys there. Wow. Um, and it was, you know, one of a million examples of, especially early as a young man where, um, you know, I just thought I had it together and I thought I was going and I get there. I was like, they're going to be, they're going to be so happy to see me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just Tim couldn't see me. And yeah. when they finally did, you know, weeks later, uh-huh. they're like, you're all but useless. Um, yeah. you know, like how, how do you help us? It's crazy. What, what kind of contract did you get? Did you get a 18 X contract? Now, I bounced from, and you know, th- this is a lot of the journeys that 
people looking to join the military, you know, trying to understand the branch of service, um, knowing that I wanted to go into special operations, which, you know, th this was kind of pre knowing about Air Force special operations within the Marines. You know, you had at the time recon was all you knew. Um, the SEALs were the only special operations that you knew in the Navy. Um, within the Army, you had a couple from the Rangers to the Green Berets. It was talking to all these recruiters, like, what, what is my what is my route to get here, right? right. If, if I want to go into one of these fields, one of these jobs, and um, the 18 X-ray contract, which the, the Special Forces baby, um, yeah. where you could enlist if... Uh, it, it's a pretty lame requirement. I mean, it is very strict. I, I, I say this often, how much more difficult it is to get in the military to, to go to any university. You know, I don't, yeah, 100%. it is crazy yeah. hard, um, let alone get the job that you want. And, um, and I, and I fought real hard to, to figure out a way, a path to get to a special operations unit. I, heard I, think, I think the army lays it out pretty well. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, the army does have a, you know, I think the army recruiting program, if you're going to go Ranger, the contract for 18 X, I think the army lays it out really well. I mean, the Marine Corps now has the recon contract, but the, the contract is like 80%. What well, attrition rate from so there's no real criteria. Yeah. I mean, that's that's and across so, every special operations. Unit, yeah, you know, um, and that even with Navy when you're like, hey, I want I want a slot to get to buds. Well, yeah, for sure, here's your route to get there. Yeah, you know, and and here's the attrition at every single one of these gates. Right, you know, and by the time you know you 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 get to a guy putting on a trident, you know, you are way past. Sure, um, you know, you're you're in less than one to two percent of who originally enlisted from that initial population. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's great. Yeah. I heard a story. That, I heard a story. I'm curious if it's true that you actually wanted to join the Navy, and the office was closed, or there was some some something happened, and so you landed in the Army office. So we could have been looking at Tim I, Kitty the Seal, not, I was, not the Green Beret. I mean, I'm I'm way more of a water baby than I am anything. Yeah, I heard um, this. Getting ready to swim, swim across with a bunch of seals through the San Diego Harbor for fundraising. Um, but uh, yeah, I had as much desire to go to recon as I did to the seals. Um. The Army was my third and last choice. Gotcha. Um, definitely wanted water, wanted that kind of amphibious expeditionary heart of growing up in California, being a Central Coast kid, you know, already being a scuba diver or competitive swimmer. Like that, that's yeah. where I wanted to go. And, uh, but the Army will not waste an opportunity when a, when a young man in college that's an athlete walks in and uh, the other recruiter's not there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how you doing over there? Come, Come over here. here. Talk to me. You know, like, <laughs> All right. What's this Green Beret business? That's awesome. Yeah. And and you know in, in the NS Special Forces and Army, they are they are like dive units. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that you know, back in the day, the uh PJs didn't have their own dive school and they would send use Marine Combat Diver, they'd use Army, Army Combat and Diver, and uh they would even send guys to the second phase or I think second phase of BUDS and yeah. that. And now they got their own, but a lot of a lot of PJs I knew went to the Army Combat and Diver. Course. Yeah, they're they're all good. It's um you know twenty years in GWAT. Um, it, it's funny within Special Forces, the dive teams were often the most physically fit, uh, and uh, they they were also like the prettiest dudes in the company. Yeah, best um, hair. Yeah, <laughs> best, yeah, for sure, best hair, best hands. Yeah, um, and also some of the best best missions. Uh, those yeah. those getting to go some of the prettier places on the planet. Um, but 20 years at war in the desert, it, I think it really, um, there was some attrition into what had previously been one of the more, you know, for a spree de corps to be part of 
the SEALs recon or on a dive team within special forces, you know, you, you were in a special elite within the special elite. Yeah. And, um, and now that as we're looking towards, you know, Asian Pacific and, you know, the, the seas around, uh, Russia, um, it's important. yet again, we're like, man, I wish we had paid more attention to these. Yeah. It's really important, important skill set to have. And, and for insertion extraction or just, you know, operation, you got to, you yeah. know, the underwater demolitions is going to be a factor. And yeah, I mean, uh, not that any pipes had anything to do with anything. Yeah. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. So MMA, uh, how far you're, you're life, lifelong as a kid in the martial arts wrestling. Oh, yeah. So how far before did, were you fighting professionally before the army? Man, when I enlisted, I think I was six or seven in the world. Yeah. Um, I just won the ECC middleweight tournament, um, j- beat Jason Mayhem Miller, Ryan Norte, um, Dennis Kang. I mean, these are old names, but yeah. you know, in those the, are tough guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, tough, tough Dennis guys. Kang was top three guy at the time. Yeah. Um, Jason Mayhem Miller was top five in the world at the time. And I was the lowest seated guy in that whole entire bracket. And the way that they work in tournaments, they, they take usually the, the worst guys, um, and try to prune them off. So at the very end, you have the two best guys fighting each other. Right like the number one guy versus the number two guy. And, um, and when they build those brackets, that makes for the, 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 the lowest seated guy to have the fight, the hardest road, the hardest route, right? That's yeah. wrestling tournaments. Everything's yeah. built that way. Yeah, that is, yeah. And it should be like, yeah. I, I love it when you get now, to now jujitsu is that way. I don't know if you know, yeah. IBJJF. I love it. Does the seating that way now. Yep. And, and ADCC is, is, is working on their matchmaking. They, they, yep. they do a really great job putting marquee fights early, um, but ultimately making sure that the guys show up at the top, the two names that you want to see there. And um, so I had been five, I maybe had eight to 10 pro fights when I enlisted and I had um, 50 something amateur fights. Yeah. You know, this a- amateur is a loose word in 2000. Especially back then, yeah. 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 I mean, California, you couldn't fight in the state of California, Washington, Oregon. Um, I don't even think you could fight in Nevada. You know, we're fighting on Indian reservations. I was going south of the border, fighting Mexico. Um, you know, I was fighting in bars in New Orleans, um, on did, boats I in did a Florida. Bunch of those. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. This That's is wild. Long, dark days. <laughs> yeah. I remember fighting and, like, like, I've been being so upset about the smoke. And oh, like yeah. there are smoking bars in Louisiana yep. and like, you're like got a cl- layer of clouds. You're trying to fight under, yeah. you get it to the ground really quick. So you get out. I, I got split open bad by, um, Scott Smith, hands of steel, came, oh, became, yeah. you know, strike force and lead yeah. XC, XC champ, champion. And he just blew my face up. Um, when I was shooting in on a takedown and he wasn't a doctor, he was just an Indian yeah. with a thread and a needle. Uh-huh. With a cigarette sticking out of his <laughs> lip, oh, wow. with a bone necklace, oh wow! And he put me on top of a plastic folding table, and sewed my face up. Wow! And uh, and he like asked one time before he came back in to stitch, and it was thread. I mean, it was this was not stitching. This was a thread and a needle that he sewed my face up with. Uh, you know, his bone necklace, and he was drunk. Hands were shaking. You know, it was hilarious. Wow. That's fighting in the early two thousands. Yeah, Chad, you talk about having to drive to do a seminar with like a purple belt you know oh, yeah, like, I, remember, I remember like back the closest purple belt f- for for, for our team glover texture was fighting with us you know chuck liddell yeah, jake yeah, yeah. shields bo taylor gan mcgee scott adams i mean these are like the who's who back yeah, then. yeah yeah i would drive to santa barbara which was two and a half hours to train with a purple belt it's crazy yeah yeah. It's crazy. In California, the yeah. mecca at the time of jujitsu. Yeah, I remember. I remember those days in the nineties. Like, there's crazy. Yeah, 
I was on the mat on Monday. I think there were four black belts on the mat. You know, yeah. even when I first started, yeah, we have, ten, we have twelve ten years ago. Right here, we have twelve yeah. black belts. Like, yeah. you were lucky to see one black belt on the yeah. mat when I started. That was that was ten years ago. Yeah. This is not even I talking about when, when you guys when started. I got my, you know? Yeah, when I got my black belt here, uh, it was me, Draclino, Eric Williams. There wasn't there weren't many. Yeah, of us not that in many. Texas, crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. But you guys share something. You guys were both active, actively serving the military while professionally fighting. Correct. Yeah. That, that's correct. Bad decisions. Yeah. yeah. How was how was that? Me, me, you, and Colton Smith were with Nick at Ranger Up. We're responsible Ranger Up. That's right. I think I don't know if they had more people. I just remember the three of us. We're all military fighters. Yeah, we had Andrew Chappelle. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was so talented. Yeah. You know, you know, shows. Uh, I think he's a PA, but that dude. Did you ever train with him? No, I never. No, did. He he was. One I, of I met him. I met him several times. We never we never trained. Talented either. fighter. Yeah. Um, Damien, uh, Damien Stelly, another talented Ranger Regiment guy. Um, we, we all, we all did this UFC at a UFC fight night. I think it was in Austin or something like that, but we all did a seminar and it was a bunch of us yeah. and those guys were there and we all awesome. did a seminar. Hey folks, I got a shout out for our new awesome sponsor, Midas Gold Group. These guys are the real deal, a family business in precious metals for two generations run by Marine Corps veterans who are all about supporting veteran causes and putting America first. But the best part, they know that true financial freedom comes from owning private currency like gold and silver. If you're feeling a bit worried about the unknown and want to secure finances, look no further than Midas Gold Group. With all the crazy stuff happening these days, it's smart to be prepared. If you don't know, our financial data is stored electronically, from bank deposits to retirement accounts, and let's face it, our digital grid isn't exactly invincible. That's where owning gold and silver can save the day, and it's becoming a seriously compelling option. Now here's the scoop. Inflation is nibbling away at your dollar's buying power, and major players like Russia, China, India, and Saudi Arabia are making moves to trade oil in different currencies. This could shake things up big time, as the dollar's stability depends on being the world's trade currency. The central bank digital currency is virtually already here, with patents filed and big banks making plans. And Midas Gold Group sees potentially sketchy implications here. Will it mean the end of cold, hard-earned cash? Is it tied to social credit scores? Storing all our financial info on digital ledgers sounds pretty risky, doesn't it? That's why you can count on Midas Gold Group. They're here to lend a helping hand. They've got competitive pricing, top-notch service, and lightning-fast deliveries all across the United States and Canada. And get this, they could even show you how to use your IRA and old retirement plan to own physical gold and silver without getting hit by any additional tax implications. So listen up, folks. When it comes to precious metals, Midas Gold Group is the real deal and the only one I trust. Give them a ring at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653 or hit up their website at midasgoldgroup.com. That's midasgoldgroup.com. They're all about giving friendly, no pressure advice on precious metals. And guess what? If you drop my name, Chad Robichaud, they're throwing in some free silver with any qualifying account. You can't beat that, right? So don't wait around. Secure your financial future with Midas Gold Group. Swing by MidasGoldGroup.com or dial 855-322-4653. And make sure you mention Chad Robichaud sent you. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Those are the days. It's fun. But yeah, yeah, fighting and doing the military, probably not the best idea. You know? I, I was I was using it as I go to Afghanistan and up being AFO, I was like not on base, could train. I was out in the mountains, 
So I get so out of shape. And so I'd, I'd come back from deployment and I would say, mm. give me a fight. That way I use that fight as a goal setting mechanism to get me back in shape. Yeah. Cause I knew if like, I need to force myself back in shape. So if I have something on the calendar, I'm going to force myself to get back in shape. And I, so I do fights between deployments. It's crazy. Yeah. The b benefit was we're in better shape than everybody always on the team, you know, yeah. um, mentally, mentally a little bit. I mean, mentally tough, Ment yeah. but mentally present mm -hmm. that I, uh, I, there's a little bit of shame looking back about my availability to my, my leadership when mm -hmm. they'd be asking me to do something. And I had my priorities, um, incorrectly lined, mm -hmm. you know, they'd be like, Hey, I need some ammo forecasting for our next train up. We're going to be going overseas. Let's go ahead and lay on our ranges. Let's figure out how much ammo we need for each one of these training cycles. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh man, I got training at 5am tomorrow. And I try mm -hmm. to get another training session in tonight after work, you know? Um, and, uh, Ben, uh, Manny, uh, like my, my senior 18 bravos that were being really graceful and patient with me. Carry your load a little bit. Yeah. yeah. To, of the subordinate. Yeah. You know, um, and that that is embarrassing to this day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it let them be part of it, right? <laughs> they got yeah. to be part of it too. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure they appreciate they appreciate that in a way. I probably appreciate you saying that. Yeah, too. I love them both. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, I mean, it's uh, amazing, amazing. You know, well, yeah, both we, things are amazing. Extreme determination in both aspects. Being a professional fighter and both. and you know, we do the highest level at two professions. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you wouldn't do yeah, recreational MMA fighting. No. You're you fighting at the highest levels. And, yeah. I mean, what, you, you, what was you, you got to number five in UFC? Uh, three. Number three. Yeah, Yoel and I, that was the title eliminator. Yoel was two, I was three. I was saying that earlier. We were talking about this. We, have the, we actually have the clip of it. Um, I felt like it was a title, I thought it was a title eliminator fight. And, and so that that fight changed, changed the trajectory of your career. Yep. I, in and, the best way possible. Yeah, I was going to say that. So I don't, I want to extend that subject, but I, I've, had fought Zach Makovsky for the main event in Bellator. And uh, he was a champion at the time. And uh, I was undefeated. I had, you know, 16 fights, undefeated. Uh, I just fought, I just came out of a strike force fight where you and I fought together in that strike force fight. And, and I, I lost that fight, but I was okay with losing that fight because Zach was just better than me that night. I mean, it was just, yeah. I, that was my best. No excuses. I'm the best. I lost that fight. I was okay with it. Everybody's like, how'd you feel like losing your first fight? I'm like, I know there's another level. I need to train for that. And then I fought another fight right after against Jonathan Macus, who was 15 and two, but I should have beat him 10 times out of 10 and I lost yeah. and I was not okay with that. Yeah, but I look back at that fight and if I would have won that fight, they were, I was in the running for those four people, four man tournament for the UFC, for the Bantamweight. Yeah. I probably would have got it and it would have changed the trajectory of my life in a bad way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I look back now and I was so bothered that I lost that fight. Cause I'm like, I could beat that guy with my like, what? with like my shoulders blown. I like, yeah. and, I, and now I'm so glad I lost that fight. Yeah. And, uh, and so with you, with, with UL, you shouldn't have lost that fight. Shouldn't have lost. You, that in fight. fact, in fact, I would argue you won that fight. Yeah. yeah. It's real sad. Cause in the back, I told John McCarthy, I was like, listen, I don't know when he's, when it's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to put the boots to him and he's going to try to cheat his way out of it. I promise you it's going to happen. And John's like, well, that's why I'm in there. I was like, all right, that's why you're in there. And he, uh, he cheated you know, his way out of it. Cheated yeah. his way out of it. Yeah. And he knew it. I knew it. We had prepped mentally that, you know, I grabbing the cage, grabbing my shorts, you know, whatever it was going to be. I knew it was going to come. Yeah. I just hadn't envisioned, um, still gate it coming that. Yeah. Still gate yeah. it coming that way. Yeah. And so 
um, as you know, I, I like to know the rules very clearly. I like to know the mission so that I can, so I, I can do the best within the confines. So, you know, knowing that at once the bell rings, you have 10 seconds to answer the bell. And after 10 seconds, that's the end of the fight. Mm. Right, it's so, a forfeit. Yeah. Forfeit the fight, yeah. Period. Yeah. That's the way the, the Nevada athletic commission rule, rules are read. And, um, so when you watch that fight, when the bell rang, I'm standing there and you can almost see me counting. Cause I know exact, cause I'm looking at him on the stool yeah. and I don't start celebrating yeah. until 15 seconds. Mm. You know, I'm 50% past the yeah. requirement right. to win. Then the mouthpiece comes out and then I'm pointing at Dana White. I need my title shot. You're like there's no, so at the time, Michael Bisbing's the champion. Right. Mm. Michael Bisbing's last loss was to me when I just beat the living brakes off. You'd have been the champion. Yes. This is, this is a straight for me in my mind in this moment, I'm going, for, you know, in this title eliminator, yeah. I'm fighting Yoel Romero. Beating Yoel Romero. I just beat him. Which I just did. Yeah. Give me Michael Bisbing again. Yeah. So I and can, I'm going to be the champion. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm the UFC middleweight champion. Let's watch it. Let's watch it. Get you all fired up. We'll show you this after. <laughs> so not everybody can see this. Huge uppercuts. So, yeah. Got him completely. Yeah, he's, he's out. done right here. I mean, honestly, John could have stopped this. Yeah, I thought he did initially. Right. Then you he probably put thought, it in my corner and I was like, all right. You probably thought I got stopped from the hits, right? Yeah. And then, man, right here. What are they doing? So that's, this is 135 into the third round. The fight's over. Like, 30, 30 seconds in. Yeah. So 30, he sits on the bench for 30 seconds. Uh, you clearly feel like you won that fight. And that, when, so when they called you back out to fight, I mean, I know every every time I fought, when the fight's over, win or lose, like this pressure comes off, and it's just like my body physiologically changes. Yeah, like your body physiologically, it's just like a gunfight, right? It it's is. over. It's your it's body in a heartbeat. It changes so fast. Right. So you, did what, did you experience that? Did you have a physiological change in your body? Oh yeah, like big big like post fight adrenaline dump. You know, yeah. like the serotonin's and and um, endorphins of elation post fights victory. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then with serotonins and endorphins come this like big relaxing, you know, like, ah, yeah, you, you, like you call it yeah. a pressure release. Like that is this physiological release of literally all yeah. of the energy and adrenaline that you've been preparing cortisol for this fight. Yeah. Post cortisol, post adrenaline is this huge crash. And now John McCarthy says fight. And John McCarthy says fight. <laughs> like but yeah. I, what was your, in your mind at the time, what was your reaction like? I mean, I'm um, sure, like, knowing you, you're like, okay, let's go. Like, I got Yeah, I mean, I went back out there, but no, no matter um, how much the, the heart wants it, the mind has to need it yeah. and yeah. be there present, too. Um, best thing that could have happened to me. Yeah. You know? Was there any post... I'm, I'm gonna, I want to get you to elaborate on that, but was there any post, like, did you try to... Your team tried to appeal it? No, I've never appealed a fight, ever. Yeah. Um, I had wanted... The, there's grounds to appeal this, obviously. Yeah, yeah. There, there. You know, there's there's regulatory bodies that are supposed. It's their. It's the preponderance of responsibility that they um, enforce the rules. It's not my job as the fighter. My job is to go out and fight um, within the rules that they've set. Yeah. And um, so I, I've I've never liked this system that a fighter has to petition something being violated in a fight. When it's clear, right? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That that should happen automatically within the system. Uh, which it doesn't. And it costs you, I mean, so those who don't know about fighting, like as a fighter, you don't get, you, you don't typically get paid to fight. Sometimes you do, but you typically get paid to show and you get paid to win. Yeah. So that impacts your family. Like, and it's usually 50%. 
Like yeah. it's usually like hundred thousand to show, hundred thousand to win. So now like a hundred thousand, I don't know what the, your pay was in that fight, but let's say it was a hundred and a hundred, like hundred thousand dollars. Your family's like out. Yeah. But I, I was, I was, um, very, I was a, a rare, one of the strike force contracts that were brought over. Mm-hmm. So I was, it was a big, big money fight that yeah. half mm-hmm. that check goes away. Yeah. Crazy. It's so it's, yeah, it's not just about the title or the accolades. Yeah. Like and there's a you, big bump from, you know, being a contender to being champion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you're getting now you're getting real money. Yeah. Like after yeah. Yeah. You yeah. go you go from the three four or five hundred thousand dollars a fight, you know, to the yeah. two three four million dollars yeah. a fight. Yeah. Wow. Which so that, is still not enough for how much the promotion makes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that sounds like a lot of money, but when you have this tiny little finite window that you're an athlete. You know, that's not, that's not a lot. Of yeah, money. yeah. It's not like you're making that your whole career. Yeah. Like you're like, that's, it's a window. Seven years. That's, yeah. that's what you got to make Max. all the money for you to pay for all of your medical bills for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause you won't really be insurable after that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So wow. I, I did all the whining for you. So tell me, tell me why it was, tell me why that you say that was the best thing that's ever happened to you. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that, that was the beginning of my, my retirement yeah. and that was me exiting from fighting and moving on to, you know, vastly more important things and being able to contribute back to communities that, that we care about. And, um, I was on a, you know, you, you, you know, some of the trajectories that my life was yeah. headed at that time. And I had continued down that road, you know, it would have been divorce between me and my wife. Um, you know, the businesses that I just started, I would have continued to have fought, um, you know, obviously would have beat Michael Bisbing and then been champion. How many times are I going to defend it? Mm-hmm. Now they have the new hook of, okay, now I want to break records as the most defending middleweight champion. You know, I want the most not you know, like that. That's the thing that yeah. I right. want to be the what's, best. what's next, right? Yeah. With, Going with from always. the best in the world to the best ever. Is that the next step? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it would have prolonged the damage that I was doing to my body. It would have prolonged, um, me addressing issues with me as a human, uh, me mm-hmm. as a husband, and uh and me as an entrepreneur and uh that would have been the worst thing that could have happened to me was me to continue to fight yeah i agree yeah i, I do wish you'd win that uh, get been given the, the credit to win that fight mm-hmm. but i do agree with you yeah uh I, I like i said i see it myself not at the same level uh but i see it myself I'm, I'm i'm thankful that i lost that, that it hurts uh, the ego fight. oh man for sure every time you know every time i see that <laughs> there's a there's a a sting of, of embarrassment yeah. when people watch yeah. me lose, uh, especially marquee fights like that. And then it's. Hey guys, Chad Robichaud here. Are you ready to experience the greatest beef you'll ever taste while supporting an incredible cause? Well, get ready to sink your teeth into the irresistible beef from Skyros Cattle Company. At Skyros Ranch, where Mighty Oaks Foundation holds our West Coast legacy programs, Wayne Hughes Jr., the founder of Skyrose Cattle Company, has dedicated over a decade to perfecting the art of raising premium beef. And guess what? You can now enjoy the fruits of his labor right in the comfort of your own home with the absolute highest quality beef you can find, hands down. And trust me, I'm a carnivore and I've tasted plenty of steaks and nothing comes close to a Skyrose steak. These cattle are grass-fed and free of antibiotics, hormones, and vaccines. And for the last 10 years, I've personally watched these cattle graze 25,000 acres in Central Coast, California, and the taste is unbeatable. When you choose to purchase Skyros beef, you're also making a difference by supporting the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Wayne is all about helping our deserving military and first responder communities through our faith-based resiliency and recovery programs. And every single penny of your purchase goes directly towards assisting our nation's warriors. Let me reiterate this. 
because it's crazy, 100% of the proceeds of Sky Rose Cattle goes directly to Mighty Oaks Foundation to support our nation's warriors. So let's join forces and make a positive impact one delicious bite at a time and head over to SkyRoseCattleCO.com. That's SkyRoseCattleCO.com today and order yourself some tender, juicy cuts of beef. Trust me, your taste buds will thank you. And one more little insider secret. Every warrior who goes through Mighty Oaks Legacy Program at Sky Rose will assure you that this beef is extraordinary and off the charts delicious. The very first thing our warriors get when they get to Mighty Oaks programs on Sky Rose Ranch is a delicious Sky Rose steak hanging off the side of their plates with a Sky Rose brand on it. And our warriors love them, and you will too. Yeah, best thing. But what you did though is, man, I know you know this, I know Chad knows this, but people don't do what you just talked about doing, Tim. They don't look within, they point without. You know, we live in this heavy victim, you know, mentality, society. Well, they would have blamed that for the rest of their life. Like, oh, I would have been champion if that wouldn't have happened. But you, you actually internalized Uncle that Rico. and said, you know what? This yeah. is, <laughs> so Uncle this Rico is, effect. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is, this I'm going to use this to be better and and, and not be bitter. You know, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to allow struggle to equal progress instead yeah. of, you know, so some of my dearest friends, um, call, you know, friends and colleagues of of Chad as well, Justin Lakin, for example. Um, he had things that happened to his in his life early on that he would have every excuse to be a disaster of a human, a disaster of a man, um, a disaster of a father, of, of, of a husband. Um, instead, he recognized these the, these damaging moments and pivoted off the pain to make significant changes. Um, Chantry Coker, he is a police officer in Austin on you know special, 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 all the specials. And... Uh, you know, on the street as a teenager, fighting for his life and fighting for food. Now he is a unique, rare special operations police officer. And, you know, my, my wife and her sisters, they have every excuse um, to be disasters. But they're powerful women. They're powerful mothers. They're powerful um, spouses. And, uh, and in 2023, you know, you said it, you can be this victim, you can yeah. be this entitled thing, or you, and it's such a clear road in my mind. Um, you don't see it in the crossroad at the time, but like, man, I could do this or I could do that. And, um, it's so that, that lonely road, that high and narrow road is so paramount. It's so important for you to make those tiny decisions of character to, to save your life and save yeah. your family's life. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to talk about Afghanistan. Um, when which Afghanistan? Uh, po post okay. Uh, withdrawal Afghanistan. Oh, great! The like the Department of State released AAR. That did you read those eighty four pages? I did. That's I did. that's special. It, it's finger pointing uh, and it's no no accountability. Uh, We're talking about leadership, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that yeah. is the opposite of everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No accountability. Well, no, it's, that was that guy's fault. Yeah, <laughs> no, that guy's fault too. And oh, it, oh, it's their fault. Yeah, and yeah. It, they continue to grade their own report card. Uh, uh, like, like a, I mean, it's like with the the veteran suicide rate. They're like, oh, the veteran suicide rate's down. Well, did you did you talk about how you gave the the curve the the C curve for like taking out uh, car accidents, uh, overdoses. overdoses, and jumping jumps, which is most veteran the, suicides. Yeah, but <laughs> you, you also, I argue that um, reckless habitual behaviors are forms of suicide. Of course, yeah. like when I'm when I was super damaged and broken, mm -hmm. I'm on my motorcycle 150 miles an hour. 
You know, if I see that yellow sign to take the turn at 45, I know I can double or triple that. Yeah, I can I'm do it figure which one yeah. that is. Yeah. And uh, you know, th- th- that is that is self-destructive yeah. behavior. Those st- that stat doesn't exist. So who do- who does it help for them to for them to make these report cards look better? It doesn't help the American people. It makes them no. look better, and that's it. So they don't. You know, it's it's about you know winning the next election, not about yeah, re- released on the weekend of the Fourth of July. Yeah, it was it was just so disingenuous, and I was so um, angry. And disappointed because like this is the country that we killed for. This yeah. is the country that we've bled for. And this is um this is still the American dream that I'm fighting for. And then we do things like this. And I'm like, we're better than that. Everybody's looking to us right now, the whole world. Instead, it's like, man, I messed up. Here's the way that I messed up. This is how I'm gonna be better. Yeah. It's that it. simple. Mm-hmm. We do it at work every day. Every every, day. Everybody does it. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna be success, if you're gonna be successful at, at, as a as someone that leads your family, if you can be successful, as someone leads your work, you're going to do it. You're going to accept responsibility. You're going to make the changes you need, and you're going to move forward. And you're going to be yep. open about it and and take responsibility for it. Well, you know, if anybody should be doing it, it should be our, our leadership of, yeah. of the of America, but they're not. Nope. And uh, it's all it, everything's becoming so, poli- you know, everything has become so partisan and political, including patriotism. Yeah, which trust me, patriotism is not a political thing. Yeah. Do you have fitness <laughs> now? Um, What's that? Being being fit, like oh, yeah. wanting yeah. to be fit. It's wild. Oh yeah, is now like this far right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Did y'all hear this attack on Bluey the cartoon? The dad, <laughs> the dad stands on the scale and like it's like, oh, I need to work out. It's a beloved cartoon. This cartoon's amazing, right? It's the best. And and good good ethics, it's, good values. It's attacked and they all the time. Attacked of that. them. Yeah. So bad that the producers of Bluey pull down the episode. I mean, God forbid we teach our children not to be that, fat. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. there's consequences to the food and the nutrition that you choose in your life. Yeah. Like what that's anyways. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I don't care. Before, before we get in, I, I want to always take the opportunity to do this publicly. Like when, when I need to go get Aziz and his wife and six kids, you're the first call I made for somebody to come with me. And you said, yes. And we went get Aziz, his wife, six kids and 17,000 people. In addition to that, and uh, thank you, thank you Love for saying you. yes, man. Yeah, yeah. You were uh, you were first calling one of the hardest moments of my life. Yeah. And um, there, uh, Shane, one of my best friends in the world. Um, they're in Tombstone, where yeah. uh, Wyatt Earp runs into that valley, and uh, he sees his friend yeah. standing there with a smoking gun and a dead dude on the ground. Yeah. And uh, he's like. You know, there's so much great acting, but it was conveyed like I didn't ask you to do this. Yeah, you know, like, I didn't, I, I didn't even want you here. You know, but there, there, it's especially in 2023 where there's this fake bravado and this tough guy vet bro thing. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even currently, is I've had to hit a rolodex of asking guys to go to Sudan for an evacuation. You know, mm-hmm. preparing hopefully not, but for a Taiwan evacuation, where I'm calling a hundred tough, tough, tough dudes that have yeah. said, "Dude, I'm going to go over there," and of like, you know what my Rolodex looks like. Yeah. Like, this is a, it's a pretty deep one. Yeah. Two, three dudes so, will yeah. say yes. Mm. Yeah. It's, and uh, that number is dwindling every time. It's bravado and, uh, and it sounds good in the moment when it comes down to going outside of your comfort zone, sacrificing things. Saying yes to these things means sacrificing things. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I called you and you, you had, I mean, any day you, you're, you're a busy guy. You have like 25 businesses. You're going to, it's going to cost you money. And you had people offering to pay you to go. And you yeah. said no to people paying you to go. And you came. And I wasn't, I wasn't offering you anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's you're asking go. me, you're offering me nightmares. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what you go, gave me. <laughs> let's go, let's go help. Let's go help this dude. Yeah. And, uh, but, but it ended up being an awesome thing and it's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm thankful you, you said yes. It's a great it, book too. 
yeah. great story. The whole thing, man, I can't wait to, I wish the whole world would yeah. see what selfless service looks like, you know, and, and you, um, you, you exemplified that. Well, I want to make sure the book, and now it's going to be a movie. Um, Kevin Hart's playing you, by the way. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> We're about the same height. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think uh, I think it's gonna be a chance to, to show the world, like, and really, I hope, I hope it encourages people. I yeah. hope it's encouragement people that people will do the right thing, regardless of our, our government does, regardless of that people just do the right thing. Yeah. And uh, and so I hope it, I, I really I feel like I have I had the ability to have some control over it to make sure it's conveyed in the right way, and I think everybody's gonna love it, and, and you could be a big, you could be a big part of it, yeah. uh, making sure the story's told right. Um. I do want to show something kind of funny, and and we'll, so you you gotta get you gotta get your take on this. I don't know if people at home could see it, but uh, I didn't ask for this, but I wore this blue shirt and and uh, <laughs> this blue Hawaiian shirt in Afghanistan uh, with during the withdrawals. I, I can't remember what for the river, river operation or not, but anyways. And then uh, Patriot Force did the fundraiser for Save Our Allies, and I had that blue shirt on. And now GI Joe just released this. That is funny. That is my jawline, my <laughs> hair, my traps. Yeah, not your nose, though. Yeah, no. Make this qualify yours. That's my shirt. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> your shirt, bro. And it, it made me as Cobra. They could, yeah, they maybe, I'm you, infiltr- maybe I have an infiltrate in the back. Made guy. you a bad guy. <laughs> no, that's, our, that's our MO right now. You know, like yeah. take the, all the good guys, make them look bad, and, <laughs> and praise the crazy people. Yeah, so uh, G.I. Joe uh, stole, stole my image, man. That's hilarious, bro. <laughs> so this is what I really want to talk to you about more than anything. Uh, Apogee. Yeah. Apogee is your school that you started. That's right. To to make sure kids that you have that are in your your sphere of influence have the most most opportunity to be the, the young men and young women they were created to be. Yeah. Uh, why? What's the mission of the school? Why did you start it? What was your motivation? And and what do people need to know about it? Yeah. Um. So we we have two efforts. Um. You said in in my sphere of influence that would be my physical school Apogee Cedar Park. That is like proper private um we're we're organized in such a way people are all the time are like wait this is a for-profit school i'm like we're we're organized as a religious for-profit school so i have the least amount of government oversight right but i'll never take a cent from that school and anything that i ever do all the money goes back into paying the teachers and making sure that we have the best facilities possible it's also the safest place that i can have any student go to to learn how to be a critical thinker so that's the physical campus apogee cedar park we also have the online mentorship program and um, this is ideally outside of my my sphere of influence because we are a force multiplier. Um, our class one of young men, you know, like these were young men without father figures. These were um, young men that had great fathers but needed additional challenge and needed additional guidance. And the fathers were like, man, go after it. I'll, I'll support you in this. Like incre- incredible dads. And then there's part of the Apogee online initiative is really a, is building infrastructure for the nuclear family. Yeah. So we have a dad's program, we have a men's program, mm. we have a young men's program, and we're going to be launching young women and women program this year. Can you explain it? So we, we use this word a lot right now, the nuclear family, the attack on the nuclear family. What, what When we say the nuclear family, just explain to yeah. the listeners. So the nuclear family, you have um, uh, XX chromosome father mm-hmm. and you have an uh or xx chromosome uh, mother and xy chromosome father and uh, they're married and mm-hmm. they stay together and they have kids that is a nuclear family uh that is like some would argue the way it was intended yeah <laughs> i, I would <laughs> I, I, i'll 
using that model of the nuclear family being a father and a mother that are married Mm -hmm. and monogamous and their kids, that is the best predictor for those children's success in the future, statistically. Statistically. There's evidence that shows that model of family. Not not some evidence. It it is countless there. I mean, from every measurable way to say the offspring of of these two parents have the best chance of success is for their life to be like this. Mm. Um, that is like whether they're going to go to prison, whether they're going to graduate high school, whether they're going to go to college, if they're going to have mental health problems, if they're going to be future rapists, if they're going to be violent, if they're going to be domestic violence, every single measurable characteristic statistic that you can possibly find is will predetermined will be, be, will be predetermined by the existence of the nuclear family. So, yeah, I know this to be true, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. There is a deliberate effort to destroy the nuclear family in America and, and as a result, destroy healthy future individuals in our country. Yeah, that's right. So um, go, going back to, you know, 17, the 1700s, mm-hmm. the only way that we were able to carve our existence out of the wilderness and ultimately to be fight the largest superpower on the planet, Great Britain, um, was because of the nuclear power, or because of the, the, the nuclear family. Each one of those individually responsible parents took their own safety, their own ability to provide for their family, to protect their family, and viewed their freedoms as God-given rights for their family. It's nobody else's responsibility to raise their children. It's their responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility to feed their children. It's their their responsibility. It's the government's responsibility. It's nobody's responsibility <laughs> but theirs. Yep. And the only way that that works is when that nuclear family is in existence. And when that nuclear family is strong and powerful down to the individual level, it's an insurmountable po- force. Like that sentence, we the people, the people at that time were families mm. that were strong families. But if you could break those apart, now there's a reliance on government That's and right. outside entities. Yep. Not, I mean, uh, that, uh, that, that comes at a cost. A, a very hefty cost. Yeah. Um, not just to the taxpayer, but more importantly to individual. society and culture and the individual. Individual freedoms. Yeah. Yeah. You give something up for that. Give a lot up. Yeah. And uh, we'll be giving up America pretty soon if we continue down the trajectory we're on. So who is who is the they? Like, I asked this question to Chad Prather. He was just on a show. Like, who is the they? Who's who or who is the they that's trying to destroy the mm-hmm. nuclear family? Yeah. The every day more than twenty two veterans take their lives. That's a devastating reality that we can no longer ignore. But what if I told you that number actually is much higher? According to a recent study. The actual number of veteran suicides could be double the federal estimates. That means 44 veterans could be lost to suicide every single day. Whether the number is 22, 44, or one, one is too many. But there's hope. Mighty Oaks Foundation provides a lifeline for veterans, first responders, and active duty communities struggling with PTSD, depression, and thoughts of suicide. Our non-clinical, faith-based, peer-to-peer programs focus on spiritual resiliency, providing our military and first responder communities to overcome their hardships of service and find a new life purpose. We know that the road to recovery isn't an easy one, but with the support of Mighty Oaks, our warriors can find the hope and healing they need to move forward. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org, and learn how you can support our mission to end the epidemic of suicide in our military and first responders communities. Together, we can make a difference. I, I wish it was just so easy that we could pin the, the tail on 
the donkey. Um, yeah. I mean that yeah, figuratively like, and literally. Here's your bad guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not. It's more of ideas, and these ideas are somewhat nebulous. Um, you know, we, we point to socialism, we point to communism, you know, we, we, poke to woke, we point to woke agendas, um, but all of those are um, these, these ideologies that are not aligned with traditional ethical values of morality. Um, and, and back to the, the why in the road where right. I could choose to do the right thing and take responsibility for the situation I'm in, or I can look for any other excuse or any other reason to pass blame and point the finger. Right. It's that's the they's and that's the them's. Right. Um, it's everyone that wants nothing to do with God, um, with, uh, personal responsibility. Yeah. Individually responsible for yourself and for the outcome of your family. Yeah. And so, um, this focus of the school is, is just providing an alternate means like outside of that agenda, outside of that ideology. Well, I mean, (laughs) school, first of all, um, is supposed to be going down to the individual learner and enabling them to become critical thinkers. Yeah. You know, Rockefeller, you, you go back to the early 1900s, um, when he, he was really the first to fund what then became public school. Right. And, um, Rockefeller is quoted in saying he did not want critical thinkers. He wanted people smart enough to move into the labor force, mm-hmm. but not so smart to be able to think for themselves. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that was his right. goal. Yeah, the, the public school system was designed to take critical thinking out and, and create cogs in a machine. Yeah, uh, they, they, they want lemon, they want consumers, and they want lemons for a labor force. Yeah, um, I have no need for that. And I don't, yeah. I don't think um, the United States, we became the, the world's superpower by creating consumers and lemmings. We, we had yeah. entrepreneurs and we had um, innovators and we had creators. You know, every single huge leap in technology in the United States, in the world, became from the United States. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and not because of the public school system. Before we get to, I, I want to talk about Apogee more, but but I know you talk about this a lot, Tim, and, and I'm very passionate about it, but I want you to talk a little bit about this, the nuclear family and, and the man's role as a leader um, to make sure that we raise strong families and how we see, cause I saw this, I was a police officer. I saw this, I mean, countless times when, when a man is, is absent from the home, it destroys the generations that yeah. follow. This, so, this is, so um, speak to some of that. This is a bummer stat. Uh, to to really put the nail in the coffin about the importance of the man. Uh, so the every single one of these pages are statistics about what happens um, in a broken home, uh, and almost every single one of these st- statistics holds true. If these damning horrible statistics, if it is a women a, a woman single mother household home, it is not the case if the mother if the father is present. If it is a single father raising his children, almost all of these go away. Mm. The importance of the father in the home, um, not that the not that the mother is not important. Of like course. We are beautifully designed differently. Yes. And we have very important roles each sure. of us. Yeah. And the most powerful way that you can predetermine success for your child is for you and your spouse to remain together so you can do it together. Um, for Apogee, that is why we spend so much effort on the father Mm. is so that he can be the present leader of the household and be that meaningful, um, 
husband, we get as much feedback from the wives once the husbands enroll in these programs, um, being like, I didn't tell him this. I was already talking to our divorce lawyer. Mm. Um, I didn't tell him this, but decision was made. Our marriage is over. I'm looking for a place. And when that father takes responsibility for his actions and for what his role is in the household, watching the transformation in a positive way in that household, how it's supposed to be, how it's always supposed to be, where we beautifully in a in in the right and I I use the word masculine in a positive way and yeah. it has negative connotations now. Yeah, yeah. But the real masculine where I am strong, I am powerful, I am purpose built, I am driven, I am disciplined, but I am the most kind, great. You have no idea how violent I was for I was me to be as kind as I am to my family. <laughs> That's the masculine I'm talking about. I'm going to get them. Break it. Break NSA, it. listen to us. You cannot <laughs> find us, You nor you have access to anything, and no, without a warrant, you cannot enter my home. Yeah. That's Alexa. No, this is powerful, yeah. what you're saying. Please, please That's continue. The, uh, so we know, not just by statistics, but we also know how important it is, yeah. not from anecdotal examples of you as a police officer seen on the street, like, yeah. oh, man, I got to, where's your dad at? Oh, you don't know. Yeah. Got it. Um, oh, you live with your mom. Got it. Um, like, not even let's look look into active shooters. Let's just look to the prison system, where ninety percent of those incarcerated come from homes without a father in them. Mm. You know, like um, this. This is all without a father in the home. Mm. And twenty six percent of absent fathers live in different states from their children. Do you know what that does? Everything that we see here. Mm. This. So you have a. Incredible amount of data there. Is there somewhere people can find this? There's, I mean, you you can go to um, Pew Research. You can go to, um, I mean, I, I fortunately have. Uh, you can go to the Bureau of the Justice Statistics. Yeah. You can go to State Prison. Um, you can go to uh, Trends in Children, uh, Psychology Daily, Psychology of Education. Um, the, I mean, every single one of these studies is founded from Kettering uh, Kettering Foundation. Um, can we? Can we? Uh, if it's okay with Tim, can we put yeah. this up on our on our site? You'll you'll the be stat. really sad. Yeah, <laughs> they're really sad. There's some. There's a lot of. There's a. Can we do that, Michael? Fatherhood.org. There's yeah, there's so a few we'll, of them. Like yeah, Harvard University Press. Um, so if you go to staydangerous.com, we'll have we'll put Tim's notes up, and you can be sad. But yeah. it's important to know. You can be sad, but we have to know. Like you can't fix this unless you know. Yeah. So, so fixing's the thing, right? So cool. We know what the problem is. Now, how do we address it? Right. I, I think that the template, we did not create a new wheel here. No. Um, you know, like every time we, that's like a mighty Oaks, people are like, what you guys do is brilliant at, at, uh, what you guys do, what you guys do is brilliant. Uh, at mighty Oaks. I'm like, it's a men's Bible study wrapped in camouflage wrapper. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like it's nothing new. And we, the same thing here, right? We are so, taking elements of boot camp. Yeah. We are taking elements of like a church men's camp. Yeah. And we are taking elements of like Jocko discipline responsibility. Yeah. Um, and we're tying those characteristics into a formatted program right. where you get, okay, here's your reading list. Here's how often you're journaling, how often you're working out. This is, you know, and it's it's kind of the the heavy lift on our side is Every situation is slightly different. You know, sometimes it is a single father. Sometimes it is a father that is already th after a divorce, and he's trying to be that present father to his children, so he can't um, reconcile his marriage. Um, so we 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 do, but really, when you when you reduce it down to what it looks like, 
It looks like individual responsibility and discipline to the father. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're not just having a, a home kind of hybrid homeschool for kids that you're actually involved in the father. So I think that's one of the most important things you can do. I mean, yeah. for, me, for me at Mighty Oaks, it's one of our missions at Mighty Oaks. Like, we don't have a, a program for youth. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful you have a program for youth. We don't have that program. But one of the things that we do is we're trying to, we believe in not just helping veterans get past PTSD yeah. or anxiety, depression, like putting good husbands and fathers back in the home. Cause I can have like, a school, but my school is destined for failure if I'm not addressing what's happening in the home. Yeah. Which is why we're hammering so hard on the responsibility of the parents, the responsibility of the nuclear family, the responsibility of the father to act like a freaking father. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is uh, it's not fun. The transformation profit process for you being um, a lazy entitled piece of shit to you becoming a man that takes responsibility over your actions and what the future of your household looks like. Now, I, I know your dad, uh, Mr. Mike. Yeah. Incredible man, incredible, incredible father. You were yeah. blessed to have a really good father. Uh, is, was that a big inspiration? Because you were homeschooled. Yeah. That's yeah. a big part of inspiration behind this. Yeah. Um, I was so fortunate and do not blame my mother or father for all of my failures. Those those were 100% my decisions. Yeah. Um, but my, my mom and dad really laid out a template. And, and Matt Boudreau, my partner, you know, he went uh, on, on Ap- in the ApogeeStrong.com program. He unfortunately saw through the public school and through the private school and through franchises of school how difficult it was to ensure success of a learner, of a student. You actually have to go, I mean, Hitler knew this early. Why did Hitler start Hitler's Youth? You got to start it young. You yeah. had to start it young. Yeah. Start yeah. young. Yeah. And we have been fighting a culture war against them having, uh, they, the thems, having yeah. access to our children so young and putting inaccurate, uh, amoral ideas into their souls and into their brains too early. So yeah. we had to combat that. We had to go back in time and get um, and plant integrity, ethics, morality, hard work, discipline in them as early as we could. There's no way that in 1939, an entire society is like, do you know what? Yeah, we should all stick all the Jews in like one little ghetto area and then ultimately put them on a train and gas them. Like the only way that that was possible was because these insane ideas were handed over to them at an early young age. Indoctrinated they, them. In, that's right, indoctrinated yeah. them early. Yeah. yeah. So the only way that you can fight indoctrination is with critical thinking. With free people, sovereign people that have the ability to think for themselves. So, like, I'm not trying to indoctrinate anybody. I'm trying to create an environment that is free of any other influence and giving them the opportunity to learn how to be critical thinkers. Teaching truth, teaching history. That's right. Not hiding. Math. Uh, yeah. Real math. <laughs> Real two math. plus two equals four. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, not, not equals five if you want it, if you feel like it does it. Yeah. Right. What, what boys and girls are. Um, but I also want them to be so free and so confident in their critical thinking that I can have two conflicting pieces of information available to them. As we use disinformation and misinformation and hate speech so casually now, I can take inaccurate things and put them in that world and they, those minds destroy them. They can determine for themselves. That's right. Without having to be told. Yeah. Most could, people today, they, they have to be told what to think. Yeah, could I take Mein Kampf? And I, could I put it into that school? Mm-hmm. I could. Do you know what those kids are going to do? Dude, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Like, we could hide who the author is, right? But yeah. they'd be like, 
this whole entire thing does not make sense. Matter of yeah. fact, it makes no sense. And here are all the different ways. Let's have a Socratic discussion about it. Let's sit down. Yeah. They're just tearing this thing apart because they're critical free thinkers. Yeah. And, and uh, you're so vulnerable when you're dependent. You know, I use the word sovereign. You can say free all you want. Sovereign is my ability to not be influenced by anything or any or anyone. And you have to be a critical thinker to be able to be sovereign. Yeah. And I, I mean, if at its core, and I think you nailed it, at its core, what, what American culture is suffering right now, and actually even beyond America, the the culture in this world right now are suffering as the lack of ability to be able to think for themselves. Yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna they're gonna repeat what they're told from whatever their source is. Yeah, and those sources understand. are oftentimes in no matter how many times in the past we could just in the past five years. Mm-hmm. Have we been lied to and we just took it, right? And they don't uh, learn from those lies. They still trust the same people that didn't know lied to them. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's what's so crazy. You know, we're all crazy fathers here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. We're, we're all fathers here. So like, and I, I'm, you know, I have young kids, you know, I have a, we adopted a teenager, so I have an older child as well. But, you know, you want to teach your children to be, to respect authority and, and to be, you know, um, you know, to be uh, a contributing member of society how do you teach them to not just you know accept what they're told at the same time and that's yeah. that's the struggle it's it's public system public school system teaches them that whatever you're told when you sit in front of this desk is it's what you believe and that's it yeah and then that's you're hitting the, something the nail on the head here and i think a lot of people think that these are mutual exclusive ideas where um like i don't want my my the kids and my my children in my home to ever have to say no to me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's never like a yes, no thing. They're, they're going to respect me and real leaders. I don't have to give commands when you're a good leader, right? They're going to follow you. Um, I'm not as a good leader. Uh, I'm not pushing a kid towards something. I'm leading them into a thing. You know, uh, my son who's playing lacrosse and my son who's playing hockey. Uh, do you think I have hockey skates? Yeah. No, I do. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, yeah. Right. do you think I have a lacrosse helmet, that's and a lacrosse right. stick, and, la- and lacrosse gloves, yeah. and lacrosse? You know I do. Yeah. Right. Like that's one thing daughter. I hate. I hate at wrestling tournaments is that that fat dad that's on the side chastising his son because he lost the tournament. I'm like, hey, you know what? Next yeah. match, I'll wrestle you. Like, yeah. let's go. <laughs> no, you got 150 pounds on me in your belly. Yeah. And I'll tear your arms off. <laughs> yeah. You. Like, like just ridiculing their kid. Yeah. You know. But that's missing though. That's missing today. <laughs> we, we, our 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 fathers aren't engaged you know, nope. in their homes. And, but, but and we're they're not, not teaching mutually them. exclusive. When I teach critical thinking and discipline, so comes with it the ability to respect something. Mm. Respect is respect is a byproduct of, of leadership. And what, what leadership really is, a lot of people get confused about this, especially when you're talking about men in the homes being leaders and they're like, you think it's like some kind of hierarchy thing. Leadership is responsibility. Yeah. That's what leadership means to me. Like me saying I, I'm, I'm leading something means I'm responsible for it. The success or failure of it. If you could demonstrate that you're willing to be responsible for something, that's when you gain the trust for people to follow you. Cause like, okay, this guy's gonna take responsibility for the success or failure of it. So I trust him to lead. And that brings in with the respect that we all as leaders want. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a byproduct of it. Naturally. It's, it is. It's a natural byproduct. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think some people confuse leadership as any, even on the leadership side that I have this authority and mm-hmm. that's where we see the bad leaders in the military. Like I have this authority. No, you're, you're responsible. It's what you are. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you know, some people, unfortunately we need to be teaching that. Yeah. Uh, and it did be teaching it for young and, and providing examples for it. Uh, does Apogee, so, ap, you know, Apogee's your school. What if somebody doesn't live in Cedar Park? Or, yeah, do you guys say, have some resources? Are other for, efforts out there like this? Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. We, 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 are, we are worldwide. <laughs> um, 
apogeestrong.com is okay. the online mentorship program. Um, we are also going to be launching physical franchises uh, of both schools. And when I say launching, um, I'm giving you the keys to the castle. When I say I'm not going to ever take a cent from the school, I do not need the, – the, the point is to disrupt the current education method, mm. is to put this thing on its ear and and let's bring uh, America back to the might of the, being the leaders in critical thought. Because education education should not be a, a, a business. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and, and it has become like colleges. I, I would never like – and I mean this now. Like, I mean, I grew up – I was in a conflict about this years ago as my kids were college age. But right now, like, I would never recommend my sons or daughters to go to university, to be educated in university, to, and, and spend $200,000 on a four-year degree to make, get a $40,000 a year job, maybe, when they could go to trade school for 15000 and make $100,000 a year. It's just bad math. Uh, and and uh, it's just not, I mean, what's the, so we're pushing our kids into uh, capitalist, like, which I'm, I'm support capitalism, but this business model of where people are making money off education and not producing uh, uh, the tangible return for it yeah education should never have as a capitalist as a yeah. libertarian yeah um education have should have never fallen into uh the profitable category of a of a of an entrepreneur especially public education yeah um where schools are it has become this huge industry when you look how much money goes into the department of yeah. education yeah and, and if you much, if you homeschool now that they're they're competing because they want that money yeah and yep. it's all about passing this, uh, the state School. test, right? Yep. And yeah. not about educating your children, not about yeah. preparing the next generation for, to be adults. Yeah. So if you live in the North Austin area, going to apogeecedarpark.com and .org, okay. um, applying to be on the waiting list, we are expanding our school. Um, we have a huge fundraiser that's coming up in October um, where all 100% of proceeds are going to, into Apogee Strong uh, for scholarships and for additional locations and for a physical new campus. Like uh, we are going from, you know, the, the 100 students that we have to 500 students. Um, so that waiting list, hop on there right now. ApogeeStrong.com, whether you're a father or you're a young man, you're a young woman or a mother, those programs are developed and available. Okay. Um, this is the one I spoke at, right? I, yeah. I spoke at one. Okay. I thought. Yeah. That was a Mark. Or, or, what was his name? Like you said his name earlier. Matt Boudreau. Matt Boudreau. Yeah. Great guy. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Dude, that, the fire in that guy's belly. Yeah. Is, um, I'm so proud to have him as a yeah. partner. And awesome. He's also brilliant. Yeah. Such a good guy. Do you follow Matt? I don't know. Okay. I, I should go, yeah. go to like my follow list and find Matt Boudreau okay. on there. Such a good guy. Yeah. Uh, he's a true Marcus Aurelius stoic. Okay. Um, and, and he's, he's also brilliant. He's one of the most brilliant men I've ever um, had the opportunity to work with. Uh, but it's rare that you get brilliant with fire. Yeah. Dude in the fire in his belly. Sometimes I'm like, bro, just like <laughs> cool your jets a smidge. Yeah. But like, he just won't be stopped until yeah. we fix this. Because he knows where this is going to head, and yeah. that's you know what we look at in Venezuela right now, what we see in in Russia, and what we see yeah. in China, yeah, and Belarus, and man, I'm I mean, so th I'm so glad you're doing this. Yeah, I'm so glad other people are, and uh, and, and and as par like parents out there, it's easy to it's easy. The easy solution is send your kids to public school because you put them on a bus and you don't have to worry about it. But easy isn't always best. It's usually yeah. not best. It's, it's usually yeah. not it's best. Usually it's not definitely best. not best right now for our kids. We have to push back. We have to take control of our kids. Education, taking control of your kids' education is taking control of back, back control of our country and our yeah. freedom. Do you guys have any resources for for homeschool type? Like, what, say somebody wants to homeschool their children, or what would you tell the viewers, Tim? On like if I mean, they're struggling, I'm, I'm homeschool. Like you, you, 
I know it seems so daunting, right? Like, um, it, but it's, you're constrained by what you think education is supposed to look like. Yeah. And it's just, it's a fallacy that, you know, that it's putting a child in a chair for six to eight hours a day is not the way that they're going to learn. You know, you take a child outside for one hour and you show them how to, you know, measure for volume to, to add sod into mm. their playscape. They will learn more in that one hour than they will at a work, a week in public school. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to do it with their hands. They're going to look, they're going to remember this for the rest of their lives. And th these will be, cornerstone how to, how to change a tire yeah how to write mm -hmm. how to how to write a check those things aren't taught in school nope. anymore how to balance how, how to the i'm not disparaging them but some of the 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 young men and dads that came you know, like not knowing how to change the oil in the car um, not how to, not knowing how to balance the tires in their car not um knowing how to do basic land navigation you know, like some real normal things that we grew up with yeah just aren't present because they didn't have fathers in the home so they had no template about how to move forward um these are important life life skills. They are. I, I mean, I, I use I use uh, changing a tire. I probably changed like maybe two tires this year. Uh, not a lot, but I've, I definitely use that more than I've used calculus. Me, Bo, and Ken were coming <laughs> so, back from. Uh, oh yeah, uh, changed one in, in Ukraine too. Yeah, I mean that definitely happened <laughs> a few times. Yeah. Um, no, but we we were doing an independence fund thing and we're driving between, you know, we're in this rental car three o'clock in the morning in some sketch area, you know, like you got three special forces, dude. I, this was like NASCAR level tire change. Like bam, and off we go. You know, that would have been actually Dennis is in the back of the room right now and he's, he's hiding behind the camera because he, he blew out two tires at the same time because he like swerved off the road. And so we're stuck in the middle of Ukraine in this field with two flat tires. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Dennis. Yeah. At least there was a mine there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, where, what else do you want? Uh, where, uh, I see where people, people follow you. Just Tim Kennedy anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, people know how to follow you. Yeah. Only the verified ones. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You have man, like, man, I've seen this. Easy. I'm yeah. seeing this. If, if this guy reaches fake? out and asks you for money because he's lost in a vacation, it's not, not this guy. Not, not me. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. like, no matter how these, often I ask them for help. You the most fake accounts. Yeah, so I, I had somebody I had, I no longer do, from Meta assigned to my account, and he sent me an email, and he had like 150 fake Tim Kennedy accounts wow. uh, between sh Facebook and Instagram. 150. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's crazy. can you just not kill them? You know? Like, <laughs> not, not actually kill them. But yeah, just yeah. Like delete, kill them. Cancel them. Yeah, yeah, delete, yeah, yeah. But no, they, yeah. nope. Or kill them, because they're probably stealing money from yeah. innocent people. Yeah. No, for sure. There's not a win win there in the fishing scam. Well, I'll yeah. tell you something I'm super proud of you personally for. Uh, well, I'm thankful for our friendship, but I've watched you over the last two years, and you've made this shift from Tim Kennedy stuff and your entrepreneur stuff, which is all okay and all good. It's all because all your entrepreneur stuff is good stuff. But you've made this real shift to being a, from all those things, again, and they're good, to being a, a, a spokesman for culture. And I don't know if there's an intentional shift. Uh, it was necessary, but you just made that, and I just wanted to say it. I've noticed it. I've heard other people mention they noticed it. I appreciate and, it, and I'm super thankful for that and proud of you for that. Because I know it's not easy to do when your when your social image is your brand and your livelihood, yeah. and you know there's consequences to speaking out on truth. Yeah, um, you've done it anyway. Yeah, yeah. You are definitely financially penalized for speaking the truth in 2023. Yeah. Yeah, well, good job. Yeah. Thanks for watching part one of this conversation on Stay Dangerous. To finish the conversation and get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else, join us in the Smith & Wesson Safe House. 
Sign up at staydangerous.com or if you already signed up, click the link in the description below. I'll see you there.